This is The Jungle Book, a collection of stories by Rudyard Kipling about Mowgli, an orphan boy in India, and his animal guardians in the jungle. Letting in the Jungle You will remember, if you have read the tales in the first Jungle Book, that after Mowgli had pinned Shere Khan's hide to the jungle rock, he told as many as were left of the Sioni pack that henceforth he would hunt in the jungle alone, and the four children of mother and father wolf said that they would hunt with him. But it is not easy to change all one's life at once, particularly in the jungle. The first thing Mowgli did, when the disorderly pack had slunk off, was to go to the home cave and sleep for a day and a night. Then he told Mother Wolf and Father Wolf as much as they could understand of his adventures among men, and when he made the morning sun flicker up and down the blade of his skinning knife, the same he had skinned Shere Khan with, they said he had learned something. Then Akela and Grey Brother had to explain their share of the great buffalo drive in the ravine, and Baloo toiled up the hill to hear all about it, and Bagheera scratched himself all over with pure delight at the way in which Mowgli had managed his war. It was long after sunrise, but no one dreamed of going to sleep, and from time to time Mother Wolf would throw up her head and sniff a deep snuff of satisfaction as the wind brought her the smell of the tiger skin on the council rock. But for Akela and Grey Brother here, Mowgli said at the end, I could have done nothing. Oh, mother, mother, if thou hadst seen the blue herd bulls pour down the ravine, or hurry through the gates when the man-pack flung stones at me. I'm glad I did not see that last, said Mother Wolf stiffly. It is not my custom to suffer my cubs to be driven to and fro like jackals. I would have taken a price from the man-pack, but I would have spared the woman who gave thee milk. Yes, I would have spared her alone. Peace, peace, Rakshaw, said Father Wolf lazily. Our frog has come back again, so wise that his own father must lick his feet, and what a cut, more or less, on the head. Leave man alone. Baloo and Bagheera both echoed, Leave man alone. Mowgli, his head on Mother Wolf's side, smiled contentedly, and said that, for his part, he never wished to see or hear or smell man again. But what, said Akela, cocking one ear, but what if men do not leave thee alone, little brother? We be five, said Grey Brother looking round at the company and snapping his jaws on the last word. "'We also might attend to that hunting,' said Bagheera, with a little more switch-switch of his tail, looking at Baloo. "'But why think of man now, Akela?' "'For this reason,' the lone wolf answered, "'when that yellow thief's hide was hung up on the rock, I went back along our trail to the village, stepping in my tracks,' turning aside and lying down, and making a mixed trail in case they should follow us. But when I had fouled the trail so that I myself hardly knew it again, Mang the bat came hawking down the trees and hung up above me. Said Mang, the village of the man-pack, where they cast out the man-cub, hums like a hornet's nest. It was a big stone that I threw, chuckled Mowgli who had often amused himself by throwing ripe pawpaws into a hornet's nest 
and racing to the nearest pool before the hornets caught him. I asked of Mang what he had seen. He said that the red flower blossomed at the gate of the village, and men sat about it carrying guns. Now I know, for I have good cause, Akela looked here at the old dry scars on his flank and side, that men do not carry guns for pleasure. Presently, little brother, a man with a gun follows our trail, if indeed he is not already on it. But why should he? Men have cast me out. What more do they need? said Mowgli angrily. Thou art a man, little brother, Akela returned. It is not for us, the free hunters, to tell thee what thy brethren do, or why. He had just time to snatch up his paw as the skinning knife cut deep into the ground below. Mowgli struck quicker than an average human eye could follow, but Akela was a wolf, and even a dog, who was very far removed from the wild wolf, his ancestor, could be waked out of deep sleep by a cartwheel touching his flank, and can spring away unharmed before that wheel comes on. Another time, Mowgli said, quietly, returning his knife to its sheath, speak of the man-pack and of Mowgli in two breaths, not one. That is a sharp tooth, said Akela, snuffing at the blades cut in the earth. But living with the man-pack has spoiled thine eye, little brother. I could have killed Buck while thou wast striking. Bagheera sprang to his feet, thrust up his head as far as he could, sniffed, and stiffened through every curve in his body. Gray Brother followed his example quickly, keeping a little to his left to get the wind that was blowing from the right while Akela bounded fifty yards upwind, and half-crouching, stiffened too. Mowgli looked on enviously. He could smell things as very few human beings could, but he had never reached the hair-trigger-like sensitiveness of a jungle nose, and his three months in the smoky village had put him back sadly. However, he dampened his finger, rubbed it on his nose, and stood erect to catch the upper scent, which, though the faintest, is the truest. Man, Akela growled, dropping on his haunches. Buldeo, said Mowgli, sitting down. He follows our trail, and yonder is the sunlight of his gun. Look! It was no more than a splash of sunlight, for a fraction of a second, on the brass clamps of the old tower musket, but nothing in the jungle winks with just that flash, except when the clouds race over the sky. Then a piece of mica, or a little pool, or even a highly polished leaf will flash like a heliograph. But that day was cloudless and still. I knew men would follow, said Akela triumphantly. Not for nothing have I led the pack. Mowgli's four wolves said nothing, but ran downhill on their bellies, melting into the thorn and underbush. Whither go ye, and without word? Mowgli called. Shh! We roll his skull here before midday. Gray Brother answered. Back! Back and wait! Man does not eat man! Mowgli shrieked. Who was a wolf but now? Who drove the knife at me for thinking he might be a man? said Akela, as the four turned back sullenly and dropped to heel. Am I to give reason for all I choose to do? said Mowgli furiously. That is man. There speaks man, Bagheera muttered under his whiskers. 
Even so did men talk round the king's cages at Odipur. We of the jungle know that man is wisest of all. If we trusted our ears, we should know that of all things he is most foolish. Raising his voice, he added, The man-cub is right in this. Men hunt in packs. To kill one, unless we know what the others will do, is bad hunting. Come, let us see what this man means towards us. We will not come, Grey Brother growled. Hunt alone, little brother. We know our own minds. The skull would have been ready to bring by now. Mowgli had been looking from one to the other of his friends, his chest heaving and his eyes full of tears. He strode forward and, dropping on one knee, said, Do I not know my mind? Look at me! They looked uneasily, and when their eyes wandered, he called them back again and again, till their hair stood up all over their bodies, and they trembled in every limb, while Mowgli stared and stared. Now, said he, of us five, which is leader? Thou art leader, little brother, said Grey Brother, and he licked Mowgli's foot. Follow then, said Mowgli, and the four followed at his heels with their tails between their legs. This comes of living with the man-pack, said Bagheera, slipping down after them. There is more in the jungle now than jungle law, Baloo. The old bear said nothing but he thought many things. Mowgli cut across noiselessly through the jungle, at right angles to Buldeo's path, till, parting the undergrowth, he saw the old man, his musket on his shoulder, running up the old trail at a dog-trot. You will remember that Mowgli had left the village with the heavy weight of Shere Khan's raw hide on his shoulders, while Akela and Grey Brother trotted behind, so that the trail was very clearly marked. Presently, Buldeo came to where Akela, as you know, had gone back and mixed it all up. Then he sat down and coughed and grunted and made little casts round and about into the jungle to pick it up again, and all the time he could have thrown a stone over those who were watching him. No one could be so silent as a wolf when he does not care to be heard, and Mowgli, though the wolves thought he moved very clumsily, could come and go like a shadow. They ringed the old man as a school of porpoises ring a steamer at full speed, and as they ringed him they talked unconcernedly, for their speech began below the lowest end of the scale that untaught human beings can hear. The other end is bounded by the high squeak of Mang the bat, which very many people cannot catch at all. From that note all the bird and bat and insect talk takes on. This is better than any kill, said Grey Brother as Buldeo stooped and peered and puffed. He looks like a lost pig in the jungles by the river. What does he say? Buldeo was muttering savagely. Mowgli translated. He said that packs of wolves must have danced round me. He says that he never saw such a trail in his life. He says he is tired. He will be rested before he picks it up again, said Bagheera coolly as he slipped round a tree-trunk in the game of blind man's buff that they were playing. Now what does the lean thing do? Eat or blow smoke out of his mouth. Men always play with their mouths, said Mowgli. And the silent trailers saw the old man fill and light and puff at a water-pipe, and they took good note of the smell of the tobacco, 
so as to be sure of Boldeo in the darkest night, if necessary. Then a little knot of charcoal burners came down the path, and naturally halted to speak to Boldeo, whose fame as a hunter reached for at least twenty miles round. They all sat down and smoked, and Bagheera and the others came up and watched, while Boldeo began to tell the story of Mowgli, the devil child, from one end to another, with additions and inventions. How he himself had really killed Shere Khan, and how Mowgli had turned himself into a wolf, and fought with him all the afternoon, and changed into a boy again, and bewitched Boldeo's rifle, so that the bullet turned the corner when he pointed it at Mowgli, and killed one of Boldeo's own buffaloes. And how the village, knowing him to be the bravest hunter in Sioni, had sent him out to kill this devil child. But meantime the village had got hold of Meswa and her husband, who were undoubtedly the father and mother of this devil child, and had barricaded them in their own hut, and presently would torture them to make them confess that they were witch and wizard, and then they would be burned to death. When? said the charcoal burners, because they would very much like to be present at the ceremony. Boldeo said nothing would be done till he returned, because the village wished him to kill the jungle boy first. After that, they would dispose of Meswa and her husband, and divide their land and buffaloes among the village. Meswa's husband had some remarkably fine buffaloes, too. It was an excellent thing to destroy wizards, Boldeo thought, and people who entertained wolf-children out of the jungle were clearly the worst kind of witches. But, said the charcoal burners, what would happen if the English heard of it? The English, they had been told, were a perfectly mad people, who would not let honest farmers kill witches in peace. Why, said Buldeo, the headman of the village would report that Meswa and her husband had died of snake-bite. That was all arranged, and the only thing now was to kill the wolf-child. They did not happen to have seen anything of such a creature? The charcoal burners looked round cautiously, and thanked their stars they had not, and they had no doubt that so brave a man as Boldeo would find him if anyone could. The sun was getting rather low, and they had an idea that they would push on to Boldeo's village and see the wicked witch. Boldeo said that, though it was his duty to kill the devil child, he could not think of letting a party of unarmed men go through the jungle which might reveal the wolf-demon at any minute, without his escort. He therefore would accompany them, and if the sorcerer's child appeared, well, he would show them how the best hunter in Sioni dealt with such things. The Brahmin, he said, have given him a charm against the creature that made everything perfectly safe. What says he? What says he? What says he? The wolves repeated every few minutes, and Mowgli translated, until he came to the witch part of the story, which was a little beyond him, and then he said that the man and woman who had been so kind to him were trapped. Do men trap men? said Grey Brother. So he says, I cannot understand the talk. They are all mad together. What have Meswa and her man to do with me that they should be put in a trap? And what is all this talk about the red flower? I must look to this. Whatever they do to Meswa, they will not do till Boldeo returns. And so Mowgli thought hard, with his fingers playing around the haft of his skinning knife.
while Boldio and the charcoal burners went off very valiantly in single file. I go hotfoot back to the man-pack, Mowgli said at last. And those, said Grey Brother, looking hungrily after the brown backs of the charcoal burners. Sing them home, said Mowgli with a grin. I do not wish them to be at the village gate till it is dark. Can you hold them? Grey Brother bared his white teeth in contempt. We can head them round and round in circles like tethered goats, if I know man. That I do not need. Sing to them a little, lest they be lonely on the road. And, Grey Brother, the song need not be of the sweetest. Go with them, Bagheera, and help make that song. When night is laid down, meet me by the village. Grey Brother knows the place. It is no light hunting to track for a man-cub. When shall I sleep? said Bagheera, yawning, though his eyes showed he was delighted with the amusement. Me to sing to naked men, but let us try. He lowered his head so that the sound would travel, and cried a long, long, good hunting, a midnight call in the afternoon, which was quite awful enough to begin with. Mowgli heard it rumble and rise and fall and die off in a creepy sort of whine behind him, and laughed to himself as he ran through the jungle. He could see the charcoal burners huddled in a knot, old Baldeo's gun waving like a banana leaf to every point of the compass at once. Then Grey Brother gave his yella he yella ha call for the buck driving, when the pack drives the Nilgay, the big blue cow before them, and it seemed to come from the very ends of the earth, nearer and nearer and nearer, till it ended in a shriek snapped off short. The other three answered, till even Mowgli could have vowed that the full pack was in full cry, and then they all broke into the magnificent morning song in the jungle, with every turn and flourish and grace note that a deep-mouthed wolf of the pack knows. They heard the trees crash when the men hastily climbed up into the branches, but Boldio began repeating incantations and charms. Then they laid down and slept, for like all who live by their own exertions, they were of a methodical cast of mind, and no one can work well without sleep. Meantime, Mowgli was putting the miles behind him, nine to the hour, swinging on, delighted to find himself so fit after all his cramped months among men. The one idea in his head was to get Meswa and her husband out of the trap, whatever it was, for he had a natural mistrust of traps. Later on, he promised himself, he would begin to pay his debts to the village at large. <laughs>